Hi everyone and welcome once again to the Pilgrim Story Hour. My name is Moni Dujeji and on this episode today we are going to speak about communicating in ways that go beyond just simply words. Now especially when we're on pilgrimage, whether it's on the Camino or elsewhere, we're often in countries where they don't speak our own language and we find our way, we find ourselves stretched to speak and communicate in ways to help ourselves become a little bit more understood. Now the story that I'm going to share with you today is an example of communicating beyond words. And it's a story that takes place in Croatia. It was during, during the pilgrimage that I was on with Alberto Agrasso walking from Rome to Jerusalem. We had finished walking through Italy. It had taken us about three months. We had a, a pretty decent command, I would say, of the Italian language because it was very similar to French, which I had learned here in Canada for me, and it was very similar to Spanish for Alberto. So believe it or not, when we were walking through Italy, we were communicating in a lot of sign language, but also in a lot of Italian. And when we arrived in Croatia, we were told that many Croatians actually speak Italian because of their proximity of the, on the Adriatic side uh, to Italy. And so we walked in fairly confidently and we had the very good fortune on the very first day of actually finding someone who actually spoke English. And so this person translated for us how to say the words that we are walking to Jerusalem for peace into Croatian. And we had gotten into the habit of cutting out the letters of the um, of the words that actually say walking for peace in the language of every country that we are in. So in Italy we had those signs, we cut it out and then we stuck them on the uh, rain, I guess you call it the protector for the backpack and the signs were in very bright yellow saying that we are walking for peace in that language. Now, we didn't know how to pronounce those words. We couldn't say those words exactly except for the words Zamir, which we understood meant for peace. So now we were walking in Croatia. We had these beautiful signs on our backs that said that we are walking for peace to Jerusalem. And it was around our, the third or fourth day in, and we were walking pretty much along the coastline. And our custom had been in Italy to, when we arrive in any town, we find the first either church, monastery, convent, uh, spiritual center, anything that looks spiritual, and to knock on the door and to say, we are pilgrims and all we need is shelter for the night. We don't need food, we don't need money, we just need a place to be able to lay out our sleeping bags. Now, we were carrying camping equipment with us when we first started our pilgrimage, but because of all the amazing coincidences and the amazing uh, people that we had met that, that, that were taking us in, it, it seemed that every time we were knocking on a door, we were being received, we felt that we could safely leave our camping and our tents, especially our, our tents behind, because it was extra weight. And every pilgrim knows that every ounce matters. And so we had just left our tent and a lot of our camping gear behind at one of the places we were staying, believing that we're always going to be received because we have been up until now. So we arrive in this town, a coastal town, and we go through our normal routine. We knock on the we knock on the door. Um, we're told the priest won't be in until later and the, in the day. And so we wait until around you know five six o'clock when the priest finally arrives. There was a church in the small town, obviously. And so we begin the process of explaining in Italian. He spoke Italian. What it is that we want to just shelter, and he right away cuts us off 
in, in a very, very rude way, just says to us, um, no, he goes, I'm, I'm not a hotel and I'm not going to invite you into my home. I don't know who you are. And we tried to stay calm and to explain, yes, we understand. Um, some, some priests actually did invite us into their homes, but often if there was a spare room that they had somewhere, maybe in a church hall, we're more than happy. And again, he just completely cut us off and dismissed us saying, I'm, I'm not a hotel. Go find your own, your own place. And it was very hard to accept, even though it had occasionally happened that somebody said no to us. Um, the norm was that, yes, they always said yes. And so I tried to keep on, you know, a very brave face, tried to stay very calm about it. Um, and we said, OK, well, maybe this is a night where we just uh, we'll see if there is a, a hostel or something in this room, because the next town was going to be an, at least another 10 kilometers ahead. And it was getting dark. And we often did not walk at night unless there was an absolute necessity to do so for obvious safety reasons. We're walking on the side of the road. And no matter how much you know, glare or reflective material you have, you're still a danger to yourself and to traffic. And so we said, OK, let's see if there is any place, a hostel, any place where we can stay for the night. It was bartender who we normally go to who, who could uh, a bartender is a great resource if you're trying to find accommodations even if it's uh, like a, anything for the night the bartender even said to us there's absolutely nothing tonight in this in this place and so we found and we had just given away our tent and so I was kind of cursing myself silently for doing that but then I thought okay um, let's just move ahead there's nothing else that we can do right now except move forward and maybe find between here and and the next town and so it was now dark, completely dark, around 7 o'clock at night. And we started following the path that we believed led to the next town. Um, and someone had said to us, there's a path that goes right along the water. So you don't have to be um, on the main road, which we thought was maybe a safer option. But as soon as we started walking down this path that was by the water, we realized that we were entering the port. And that we were in an area where there was a lot of tall ships and uh, boats under construction, heavy machinery, cranes, there was oil and muck on the ground, and we clearly had to walk past a sign that said no trespassing. <laughs> that part was in English, so we knew that we were doing something uh, a little bit illegal, so we thought, but there's no other way to go. So let's just kind of keep going forward, let's follow, let's keep the water to our right, let's just follow this and see if it will lead us closer to the next town where we need it to be. And so we walked as carefully as we could. We could feel our, our boots just sloshing in the grime and the muck, and it was black and it was dirty. And we had our flashlights out. I had my headlight headlamp on, and I was trying to make our way. And we arrived at what we thought was a path, like a real path that cleared the port that would get us to the next town. When we started to hear barking, a dog barking. And we thought, uh oh, um, let's, see, let's see what this is. As we kind of approach very calmly, very slowly, we see a light go on in a little house, in a little shack, which we had not seen in the darkness before. And we thought, that is probably the night watchman, um, and that's probably his dog. And let's see how we are going to manage this one. I hope that jails in Croatia are warm because he could very easily just uh, call the police and, uh, and, put us, and put us in jail for the night. And so we approach very calmly this a person came out and in the dark we couldn't tell right away what his features were like we he looked to be a little bit of an older gentleman we couldn't make out his features very clearly he was just flashing his his light at us 
And we started saying hello in every language that we knew. You know, hello, uh, buongiorno. Um, we hadn't learned how to say that in Croatian yet, in Spanish, in Lebanese. I spoke some Lebanese and there was nothing. The dog was just running circles around me and around Alberto and completely unnerving me. And this person that was with the flashlight was just quiet. So, you know, I turned, I turned around so he could see that the signs that we had on our backpacks that said we were walking for Jer to Jerusalem, hoping that those would be enough to get him to understand that we weren't a threat. And he just looked at us and then eventually motioned with his hands to come forward. And so we said, okay, and um, we just followed, you know, what are you going to do at this point? So we said, let's just flow with this and let's try and keep calm and let's see how this unfolds. So we go into his, his hut and it is a very small space. Really, all there is in there is a small bed. There is a little, um, there was a small little fridge, one of those little bar fridges with a black and white TV that was on and a chair in the corner where he, where he sat. And then he motioned for us to kind of, you know, sit down on the bed. And so how to communicate with this person who obviously doesn't speak our language and we don't speak his. And so I just start speaking in English very slowly and I make this kind of point with my finger towards the other town backwards hoping that he understood and I said the name of the town and then after that I put my, my the palms of my hands together and put them against my cheek to kind of indicate sleeping and so and then I shook my head vigorously so this was a lot of charades going on and hoping that I, he was understanding that we were trying to sleep, could not sleep, and then pointed in the direction of the next town and named that town. And then said, you know, that we were with my fingers, just kind of made the signal of walking. And he wasn't saying anything. He, his face was very blank. And I was starting to get nervous now. I pulled out a piece of paper that had written on it just two days earlier some words to be translated into Croatian, some basic words like how to say hello, good morning, my name is, and this was a custom that we had gotten into in Italy. One of the first things we did is how to say a few words so that you can at least say hello and how are you. And we'd study those words so that we could at least have basic communication. And for those of you who are watching, I actually still have that lovely list of words that a friend, um, he was actually a young monk in, um, in a monastery, he wrote out, these words for us and if you can see them there's quite a few there but a lot of them are you know hello my name is good morning good evening as I had mentioned so I gave him this piece of paper hoping that something on that piece of paper would actually jog uh, or would jog something or that it would make him understand that we were pilgrims and that we just needed a place to sleep for the night he looked it over again very quiet not saying a word he turned it over, read a little bit more, and then put the piece of paper down, gave it, you know, handed it back to me, and then motioned for us, you know, to follow him once again. I said, okay, let's follow, see what happens. We followed him out of the building, and he led us to another building, which we actually did not know was there, because again, in the darkness, it was all hidden. And so he turned on a light, and the building looks abandoned. It looks like it's a it's very cold it's um, there's no decorations it's just a very simple uh, looks like very functional building and we imagined that it had something to do 
with the port for workers either to come in and maybe have a meal. There were washrooms there, but I could smell them before I could even uh, get to them. So I thought, I'm going to just hold it in for the night. Um, and then he led us, turned on a couple more lights, led us down a very stark hallway, um, opened a very plain door, and then turned on the light. And inside was probably the grimiest room you've ever seen. Uh, layers of dirt and oil uh, covered pretty much everything. There was litter all over the place. Uh, you couldn't see through the glass windows for all of the, the grime that was there. But there were two beds. And he just motioned to them and made the sign of sleeping. Once again, putting the palms together against his face and offered them to us. At this point, after the emotional evening that we'd had, I just started to cry. Alberto started to cry. The, the poor man just kind of looked at us and started, you know, he held up his hands and started backing away slowly. We thought we had terrified him. He left the room and we thought, okay, well, I guess this is, I, I guess we're sleeping here. Um, but then he comes back a few moments later and he brought a space heater because it was a cold night, which only brought on even more tears. And the poor man is standing there just wringing his hands. He doesn't know what to do with us. And we're not able to communicate. But he could see clearly the appreciation and the emotion on our faces. And we reached over and we gave him a huge hug, which just released everything for us. And it brought us closer to him. He took our hands. He brought us by the hand. He led us back into his little, little room. He opened up the fridge. And he poured out all of the contents of that fridge onto his bed and made, you know, started motioning for us to eat. But I was sobbing at this point. That act of kindness, even more, um, just brought out the tears. And to this day, I still, you know, I still feel the, the tremendous emotion and the tremendous um, fortune that we had in finding this, this very kind man who just kept wanting, you know, wanting to feed us. And I just said, I just need a few minutes to, to kind of calm myself. And I, said, I kept saying, you know, thank you, thank you. Voila. That was the only word that we knew. Voila, which meant thank you. And while I was trying to compose myself, in a strange kind of coincidence, the TV was on. And in English uh, were the words. Somebody was singing the song. And the words were, sometimes you just need an angel. And I, of course, I just brought on more tears. And I was, I was saying, yeah, I... This obviously was a very, very special night when we were here. We are completely lost, trespassing, not knowing what was going to happen to us, not even able to communicate. And this man uh, was able to understand us through language that was not words. And uh, eventually he left us to make a phone call. We heard him speaking. And uh, within a short while, uh, a young couple arrived, one speaking English, one speaking Italian, so we could explain very, more fully what it was that we were uh, trying to do and how grateful we were to this man. We finally uh, introduced ourselves, and he pointed to himself and said, Misho, Misho, Michael was his name, and we introduced ourselves. And what this young couple said to us was that um, Misho had forgotten his glasses. His eyesight was very poor. And he normally has his glasses with him. And so he didn't have them with him that night. And so he really did not read our signs. He couldn't read our signs. And that piece of paper that I gave him, he couldn't read that either. And so it made that evening even more remarkable and even more magical that this night watchman who couldn't read our signs simply took us in 
because of what we were emitting beyond just the words that we couldn't use to communicate we used sign language there was our gestures there was our presence we really felt there was our gaze how we were looking all of that i believe is an energy it creates an energy and i believe all of it was coming from the heart and because it was coming from the heart i really believe that we connected with his heart and we were able able to break through the barriers um, that language alone even often can't communicate so when you're on pilgrimage i invite you to consider what it is that you are communicating and revealing beyond just your words what is your presence saying what are your gestures saying what is your the way that you uh, hold yourself in the way that you the way that you speak all of that is creating a presence and creating an energy and all of that you are transmitting to the other in your attempt to communicate beyond words now i want to thank all of you who joined but before i leave i do want to share one more story that um was sent to me actually it was written uh by a pilgrim named sylvie and i usually ask those who have stories to share to leave them for me on social media whether it's on facebook or on twitter or on google or google plus to send me your stories and pilgrim sylvie sent me this particular story which i think you'll enjoy she says one night during my first communal I found myself at a table of eight where no one spoke the same language. I was trying to convey something and I grabbed the paper napkin and drew rather badly what I was trying to explain. Everyone laughed. It was bad drawing, but it got the message across. And then everyone started drawing. We laughed so hard, we had tears in our eyes and spent the rest of the dinner trying to outdo each other with our drawings. I kept mine in a scrapbook and it was one of the most entertaining dinners I had during my pilgrimage. Words are not the only way to communicate. Indeed. Thank you so much for this, Sylvie. And thank you all for tuning in. And uh, I will catch you next time, next week, Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Pilgrim Story Hour. Have a great day, everybody, and buen camino.